This is the Ned Group Investments Podcast, a space where you can learn more about our fund managers, the funds they manage, as well as getting up-to-date and important developments affecting the investment world and how they might be relevant to you. Good morning and welcome to the March edition of The Balanced Perspective. As a quick reminder, we initiated these conversations with Ian Power, CIO of Truffle Asset Management, back in December so that we could tap his thoughts on some of the most important developments around the world affecting the local and global investment universe. Welcome, Ian. Thank you for joining us again today. Morning, Rob, and morning to everyone else. So we titled today's conversation to allude to some of the interesting developments with the global tech behemoths around the world. You know, the new administration in the US with Biden coming in has some sort of a momentum behind their interest or their efforts into increasing or expanding antitrust legislation and also moving moving laws into the new era and tackling monopolistic tech giants around the world. In addition, we've seen the Australian government's attack on on Facebook, for example, and the the move by Facebook to unfriend governments, if you like, such as Australia, as they try to take such action against these global tech behemoths. Is this the beginning of the end for big tech? Or are the, the big social networks or the network effect big enough to help them to defend their position and what does this mean in terms of the valuation or the way that you value these companies going forward and whether their cash flow streams may be impacted? Rob, thanks for that. I think that's right. I think if one looks at the last, you know, certainly the last 12 months, I think the drumbeat of regulation insofar as these big tech companies is getting louder. And I think also one needs to appreciate the fact that I guess anti-competitive laws or antitrust laws, which were written in some cases, uh, you know, many, many decades ago, were not really written with tech companies and the way tech companies trade, you know, in mind. So I guess there is clearly a need to refocus on that. And, you know, to the extent that there is actually a lot of prima facie evidence that many of these big tech giants have been abusing their market dominant status and in fact their gatekeeper status is starting to now result in i guess regulators and governments around the world across various different disciplines and i think you've mentioned in australia with respect to you know obviously facebook and google wanting to publish news and the australian regulators saying well look if you're going to do that you you know de facto become a publisher and you need to pay for the rights to uh, publish and then, you know, show that respective news. And I think the standoff that you sort of mentioned in Australia, I think is just probably a a small example of uh, what is to come in the years that lie ahead as the battle between these big tech giants and, you know, regulators harden, you know, to the extent that there really is actually, I think, a case to be made that these big tech businesses need to, I guess, adhere to a set of rules which is very specific to a technology and the way in which they sell their services and they monetize, you know, many of the services and data, which, you know, we all take for granted now and use on a sort of a day-to-day basis. So I think definitely our perspective is that uh, things are going to change. And certainly if we look in the U.S., for example, the U.S. House Judiciary Committee last year, which 
you know, really concluded a 16-month investigation into these big tech companies, the likes of Amazon, Facebook, Google, Apple, found evidence of real monopolistic anti-competitive practices. And I think it's these practices which we're going to now see Congress over the next sort of couple of years think about and, and, and pass regulations and legislation to level the playing fields. And I think that that really is going to create a headwind for many of these, these businesses because competitors in themselves cannot now, I guess, upset or really topple many of these huge big tech companies. They've just got so much in terms of their size, their network effect, and it's and really there is not going to be a competitor that is going to actually upset them. And many of the times they buy out the competitors, they try and stifle the competitors. And, you know, just remember when Facebook bought Instagram and then, you know, try to, I guess, limit the extent to which Instagram could uh, cannibalize the existing share. So I think lots of these practices are going to be looked at. And ultimately, I think regulators will call for some sort of breakup maybe, you know, in the years that lie ahead of some of these businesses to the extent that you then level the playing field. So to to really take that into account in one's valuation is is quite hard. But I think it's fair to say that the way it will manifest is either in lower margins from many of these companies and take, for example, Facebook, which has now said subsequent to the Australian foray that it's going to be spending a billion dollars on buying news and paying subscriptions to news feeds. Now, I mean, that that money has obviously now come as a consequence of this. And I think, you know, we've already seen them, for example, sign up some big German newspapers for their for their Facebook news. So I think this is a space which is changing. I think the net position for the tech companies will be negative because of either costs for them, which will which will go up, or potentially taxes for them, which will go up. And then I think they might actually get to a position where they're not allowed to acquire competitors. I mean, one can easily see that sort of scenario playing out. So I think net-net, you know, this, this long-term, I guess, risk will build, and those headwinds will get stronger. But on top of that, you've got valuations for the sector, which, you know, frankly, look fairly punchy anyway. And that's these risks aside. So so they will continue to grow. And we're certainly not suggesting that the growth of these businesses, their underlying intrinsic growth is about to stop suddenly because of this. But it's just going to become a little bit more difficult and it's going to become a little bit more expensive. And when one looks at those valuations, you know, certainly for us, it's not a place where we're seeing great returns, you know, looking forward from a, from a long-term perspective. These antitrust risks aside. Thanks very much, Ian. And a lot of few of your comments there relate to the big the, the big US companies. Now let's re focus our attention across the world at the world's second largest economy in China, and look at what the Chinese authorities have been doing to Alibaba, which is one of your portfo largest portfolio holdings. You know, there's been the attack on, uh, or the torpedoing of the ant IPO, the the investigation into Alibaba in from an antitrust perspective itself. You know. Does this mean that China has a greater ability to impose new sanctions, regulation, laws on, on such big tech companies? And also, you, you touched on valuation there. Is there a greater buffer for the Chinese tech companies in terms of valuation? 
So I think I think you're right. I think in terms of China's command and control economy, I think their sort of processes and the way they operate are certainly different to the Western world. And they came out with their code for the big tech companies within three months and have given those companies, uh, you know, a certain period of time to get in line in terms of those regulations. From a from a Alibaba point of view, you know, Jack Ma was particularly vociferous against some of the regulations or the proposed regulations that were that were spoke of. And, you know, I think he and Alibaba has now really borne the brunt of the Chinese regulators turning their attention to Alibaba. But but frankly, when one looks at some of the evidence that the Chinese regulators have put forward, it looks very similar to what you've seen from the likes of an Amazon. So, for example, in in Alibaba, they had a clause that they made merchants sign that they could only really advertise their products on one platform. So if you if you wanted to sell on Alibaba's channels through their channels, you couldn't sell through anyone else. You know, when you compare that to an Amazon, you know, Amazon would use, you know, lots of the data that it gathers on its on its third party merchants, which are selling profitable products to substitute their own products and retail offering with the merchants offering. They would penalize merchants for selling products at lower prices than their own. So there's lots of these behaviors, which I think, you know, very similar to what we've seen in an Amazon, which we've seen in Alibaba. And I think it's right that the Chinese regulators try and create a a level playing field. And I think that that ultimately is good for consumers. And I think that's something that we should always remember is that, you know, antitrust laws and I guess creating a very even playing field is ultimately in the best interests of uh, consumers and other businesses and competition, which, which really then, I guess, you know, potentially creates a scenario where you don't have gouging or you don't have monopolistic behavior where these big companies can reap extraordinary rents because they have muffled or taken out many of the competitors. So so I think it's a good thing. It makes for a healthy environment. And it has certainly given some of the smaller Chinese online retail guys a boost. If you look at the likes of a JD.com, you know, just just go and have a look at what their share price has done. So the Alibaba woes in terms of uh, what's happened in terms of the regulator, you know, you've seen consumers uh, view exactly the opposite opposite for a JD.com saying, well, you know, if the regulator is going to take quite a stringent view on Alibaba, well, then surely the beneficiaries must be many of these smaller companies who have been struggling to to gain critical mass. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to valuation, what is in the price. And I think from a truffle perspective, what we really liked about Alibaba is you've got a great business, which, you know, frankly is growing at re- its revenue in excess of 30% per annum. And this, you know, if you just look at their sort of market share, you know, anywhere between 40 and 50% of their particular verticals and, you know, with, with meaningful runway to continue to grow and monetize their services. Now, you can buy this in an Alibaba on a forward multiple of around about 20 times, which is a significant discount to the likes of an Amazon. You know, so an Alibaba, if we just, because Amazon doesn't really, you know, it's a, from an earnings point of view, there's not a lot of earnings in Amazon, but if you look at Amazon on EV EBITDA basis, it would trade on a forward EV EBITDA about 26 times. 
whereas uh, Alibaba is trading on around about 15 times. And yet Alibaba is growing 50% faster than the likes of an Amazon. Compare that to a Tencent, you know, great business, probably much better quality business, Tencent versus an Alibaba, but it's trading at almost double the valuation. So here we can see a set of circumstances which has now resulted in creating a very attractive entry point for investors to put capital into an Alibaba, knowing that we think that the landscape, yes, is going to be more regulated and will probably change, but it is not going to take away from the fact that this is a very successful business which has a massive network effect and there will be still significant opportunity for them to monetize this benefit going forward and you get to buy it at a bargain basement discount because of the antitrust spotlight which the regulators are putting on the company right now well thank you very much ian we we've we've run out of time we'll have to roll over my third question to to next month but i think there were some very interesting points you made there so thank you for joining us ian thanks rob and thanks to everyone for signing on this morning and just so to summarize from what you heard today, there's definitely going to be increased pressure on these global tech behemoths around the world from regulators, even from shareholders to, to justify their perhaps previously monopolistic behavior. That ha should and could have an impact on their valuation, on their share price, which then in turn, another key takeaway would be that you need to be focused on the valuation of such companies as Ian alluded to with Alibaba and how it's positioned relative to its competitors around the world. So on that note, I'd like to thank everybody else for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed the, the webinar we had for you today. Please join us again in, at the beginning of April for our next version of The Balanced Perspective. You will see on your screen now there's a QR code that you will be able to give us some feedback. We really love feedback. We can only improve and get better at these webinars if you give us feedback. Take your phone, take a photo of that QR code and it should take you through to a questionnaire on the internet. Please fill out the, the free writing comment box. That will help us understand more your views on, on what we're doing well and perhaps what we can improve on. So thank you very much for joining us. Keep safe, stay well and have a good day. Bye-bye. Negroup Collective Investments is an authorised collective investment scheme manager in terms of the Collective Investment Schemes Control Act. Negroup Investments does not provide advice on financial products and will only give you factual information. For further details on our funds and to view our terms and conditions, please visit negroupinvestments.co.za.